Welcome to Digging Deeper in Grace, a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Our goal each episode is to dig deeper into the scriptures with a focus on our most recent sermon. And now let's dig deeper. Well, hello, I'm Bart Sheridan, and today we're digging deeper with Becky Farrell and Gordon Leidig. Becky and uh, Gordon have both been members here at Grace for some time. I've had an opportunity to get to know them, have appreciated their focus on the scripture, also their focus on the local church and the way that they have been so uh, busy and so intentional in working for the Lord's uh, glory here in our local church here at Grace Baptist Church. But our scripture focus this week is Jesus's message to the church at Thyatira in Revelation chapter 2, verses 18 through 29. And and Becky, Gordon, I asked you to join me today, at least in part, because I, as I said, I know that both of you have extensive experience with local churches, and especially this week's passage concerning the church at Thyatira. It focuses on the importance of the church in the believer's life. And I wonder if you both could share one specific way, perhaps, that God has used a the local church or a local church in your life to develop you into who you are today. And Gordon, why don't you start? Sure. Um, first, um, my wife Judy and I have always been careful to be in a church where the Word of God is taught, the whole counsel of God. Uh, we watch for that. And that has provided a very basic understanding of who God is and, for me, who I am and how I'm supposed to live in light of who God is. Much of my development comes from worship services, ABFs, small groups, where I've been able to share ideas and take in ideas from others based on what the Word of God says about our lives. All of that learning and absorbing certainly has helped when I've been in a role of leadership. Being in leadership has also been a part of my growth since I've had to constantly evaluate my life compared to how I need to direct others. Great, great. And Becky? Um, I think that uh, one time that came to my mind was um, over 20 years ago when I was going through my divorce. Um, I, I was born and raised in the church. My dad's a pastor. But it, as divorces do, they just completely upend every part of your life. And I just needed to know how I was supposed to live and how I was supposed to move forward. And I came to a pastor here at Grace um, we had been attending here for about a year, and I came to a pastor here, and he gave me weeks and weeks of wise counsel from God's Word. And one of the things that he said that changed my life forever was uh, from Isaiah 54, uh, 6. And he said, For your Maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer, the God of the whole earth he is called. And it goes on to be very specific about how he meets, uh, and he uses the example of a wife cast off and how he meets us where we are. But he encouraged me to start talking and praying to God as a wife does to her husband and to the father of her children. And that just led me to a much more personal, intimate relationship with God that has lasted until this day and has just grown. And that's just one example of how the church has discipled me to, to grow in my faith. And so you use the word disciple. I see. I heard it in Gordon, your response. Uh, you, know, you took a, a more global approach, and I love that. The idea that the church is uh, 
bringing you along, and back in your case, a real dark time in your life. It reminds me also of the passage, you know, his mercies are new every morning. Uh, I think, I'm sure that we all three can look back at times in our lives where we've seen Wow, God used his people mm-hmm. to bring me through some really tough yeah. times or even yeah. some really good times that I didn't even, uh, I, I saw the good, mm-hmm. but uh, also may not have even seen some of the uh, cliffs that I avoided or he mm-hmm. helped me to avoid during those times. Mm-hmm. So it, it was. it's amazing to me as I look at this passage in Thyatira, a church that is applauded for its great works of love, faith, service, and patient endurance. That's how he describes, Jesus describes the works that the people of Thyatira are doing. Yet they've turned a blind eye to absolute heresy in the case of this woman that Jesus calls Jezebel. It really seems to put a spotlight on the truth that that even otherwise godly churches and even godly individuals can falter. Mm -hmm. Becky? Uh, I think that uh, it is very easy to let sin get a toehold in your life, especially when you're so focused on loving and serving others, you can forget to guard your own heart and keep the sins of uh, maybe the more subtle sins out of your uh, heart, like pride and arrogance or whatever that can lead you to believe that you can, you're okay and you can handle anything. And it's the same with the church, I think. We can get so busy as a church body serving that maybe we're too busy to notice what's happening right in our midst. Some people would call that coasting. Right. And not keep, <laughs> not uh, burning the fuel, the right fuel. Yeah. yeah. And Gordon, I think you, you mentioned you wanted to say something here. Yes. Um, we, we can guard against that in our own lives. And also we have to be careful as we talk with our fellow members that maybe there's something festering in their life that isn't quite right and as we discuss it uh, it can come to light this has happened to in a church uh, that i was in previously a number of miles from here Um, we had a young couple kind of surface saying well we're not so sure we believe what this church believes they had joined our church professed the same profession we had but at some point, uh, they either changed their mind or they weren't telling the truth when they joined. And it came to light that they were not only not obeying the Scripture in, in the way they should live, but uh, were actually using substances that, that were not permitted at all by Scripture. And we had to deal with that. Uh, we had to sit with them and say, things have changed. You're not who you said you were, and you're going to have to leave. And those are hard conversations to have when within the church, uh, individuals surface that really don't believe what the Word of God says. And so uh, as part of leadership, that's a hard hard thing to go through, uh, to deal with people who've surfaced saying, we don't really, oh, by the way, they did want to stay. And because they, they love staying? No, they did not. Okay. We told mm-hmm. them they had to leave. Yeah. And that was very disappointing for everybody. But at some point, you have to take that stand. Okay, so that you've led us into a discussion on what we commonly refer to as church discipline. And I want to talk a little bit about that specifically and then globally. Becky, uh, the, the important role that the church, local church plays in judging sin in its midst. If God is the ultimate judge anyway... 
why is it necessary for the church to confront and judge sin? Isn't he going to deal with it in the end anyway? Well, I think that um, sin and... uh, uh, I'm trying to... Sin and God don't mix. God can't tolerate sin. And so when we allow sin into our lives, it makes us less effective. It makes our ministry less effective personally, and it makes the church less effective um, as a body if we're allowing sin and we're not taking care of it. And God calls us to flee from sin. And um, that's not just sin of the world, that's sin in our midst as well. So I think that you know it starts with us as church, church members, um, personally with those that we're in a relationship with in the body, um, to lovingly uh, confront as we uh, see the need and as we're able to do so. Well, you, and you mentioned uh, God and sin don't mix, and it's not healthy for the body. Certainly not healthy for that individual to be left alone no. in their sin either. You mentioned earlier something about a cliff, and one thing that I was thinking about as I, as I was thinking about this subject was if you see someone that you know, especially someone that you love, walking towards a cliff, the loving thing is not to just ignore it and allow them to walk off the cliff. The loving thing is to say, hey, wait, you're going in the wrong direction. You need to turn around. You're in danger. And if you don't do that, you're not loving that person. And you're bringing them back so that they can be restored to, I mean, if they go over the cliff, <laughs> that's not good. Well, and it's better to be confronted by a one who is close to us, too, right. one who loves us, one who understands. Um, Gordon, I wanted to get to you on something. Jeremy did a great job, Jeremy Kimball, that is, of sharing this passage in a sermon this past Sunday. He talked about the matter of tolerance, and, and here Becky's saying, hey, we shouldn't tolerate sin in the church, and certainly for the church's sake, God's sake, but also for the individual. But not tolerating sin, if we don't tolerate sin, it's judgmental. And of course, that's a word that everybody gets their hackles up about, especially in this world. The world cringes against any mention of judgment. Can you share how the church can and should judge sin and, as Becky says, still show love to those who have been engaged in that sin? How's that possible? Well, number one, I think we have to be very careful that what we're looking at, the thing that we're considering to be sin, really is sin based on the Word of God. Mm. Good. Uh, There are many times that we as Christians in a given local fellowship or a regional fellowship understand that there are things that Christians don't do. But is it a scriptural thing not to do it, or is it our preference that we, we say, well, we just don't do that? And so when we, when we look at what sin is or is not, we need to go back to the Word of God and be sure that that's what we're talking about, something that God says no to. Godly discernment. Absolutely. And then when we see that, yes, this is a violation of God's Word, uh, not to rush, I was going to say not to rush to judgment, uh, <laughs> not to rush to oust somebody, but to love them with the idea that we're going to draw them back as a brother or sister. Uh, Matthew chapter 18, Jesus told us right out of the shoot in that passage we talk about in discipline, 
that we want to gain somebody. We want to gain that brother or sister. And so we don't do that in anger and angst. We do that with love, caring that they understand the word, caring that we care, knowing that we care, and then urge them to follow the word and spend time with them. This isn't a one and done kind of an argument. This is, let me sit with you. Let me, let's, let's take some weeks and talk through this. Let's look together with what the Word of God says. Either you as an individual or find someone that knows how to do that and care for someone. The elders here at Grace uh, were dealing with a matter some time ago, uh, a matter of, uh, was it sin or wasn't it? Uh, wasn't it? We, we took a long time to discuss this. And uh, one of the elders spoke up and he said, I hope if I were the one doing this, you all would love me enough to come after me. Mm-hmm. And it speaks to the love that is needed and yeah. the the desire to see somebody. What Galatians chapter six verse one speaks to this point: You who are, if you see somebody catch somebody in a fault, or someone yes. is caught in a fault, you who are spiritual, go after them, mm-hmm. so that you might what win them, them bring back. them back, draw them back into yes. the fold and in mm-hmm. godly living. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Gordon, I, I read the following quote, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, author Jonathan, Jonathan Lehman uh, read it here this past week in his book, The Rule of Love, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. He, he says, God's judgment is what gives life value, meaning, and worth. God's judgment is what gives life value, meaning, and worth. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on that. Interesting that he used the word judgment, but that is, in a way, we are to fear the Lord. And part of that fear is his judgment. Um, He is watching over us. He is seeing what we are, what we do. And so, yes, we need to live under that judgment. But hopefully not so much from fear, but a response of love. Lord, here I am. What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to be? and then see what the Word says and plan my life accordingly so that I don't fall under judgment, that I live the way He wants me to live. And so I think knowing that there is a God who is a judge, uh, is a, yes, it's, it's a good uh, reason to be living correctly, but I think we look beyond that to the fact that He is a loving God and that we need to love him in return and enjoy life under a loving heavenly father okay. it reminds me perhaps of the uh, is it hebrews where uh, he he chastises or he uh, uh, judges or what's the word i'm using he disciplines those mm-hmm. whom he loves yes yes mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. Now, uh, Lehman also says in the following thing in his book. I've been reading this, so I want to get these quotes out of the way mm-hmm. here, folks. Okay, and Becky, your thoughts on this. He says, good authority strengthens and grows. It nourishes and draws out. He's talking specifically about the authority of the church, but mm-hmm. it could go any anywhere. Good authority strengthens and grows. It nourishes and draws out. You know this if you have ever had a selfless and loving partner, teacher, employer, coach, or pastor. Mm-hmm. I think I thought that that was a great quote because I think that what it says to me is good authority is mutually beneficial. I think we've all probably experienced an authoritative person who is only out for what makes them look good or what benefits them. 
But if you have good authority, it benefits them, but it also benefits you. It benefits those around you. And in the church, it benefits the body as a whole. Um, and it benefits the kingdom of God. Um, so it's mutually beneficial. It's not just for the person or entity in authority. It is for uh, everyone's benefit. And it shows that that individual, what you're saying, loves. Right. And it's showing love to that individual. Right. And that's when personal growth happens. Mm-hmm. I think it happens when someone who cares about you leads you correctly. Um, I've, I think of pastors that I've had that I've gotten close to that have, uh, I was going to say, discipled me. Yes, they did. They discipled me, encouraged me in leadership, uh, especially in one-on-one leadership with others, just to take someone aside and work with them through the Word of God. Um, that kind of leadership is encouraging and encourages me to, to mimic that. Great. But we're talking about this idea of discipline, and of course, the root word of di- the root part of discipline is the same uh, from which for which we have our word disciple. And when we discuss this matter, of church discipline, our minds immediately jump to the type of confrontation that we see God calling for here in the uh, second chapter of of Revelation. But that's only one aspect of the disciplining role of the church. Can, can we talk about other ways that the church helps to discipline? You've mentioned some of them, but maybe some other ways the church helps to discipline or disciple its members, specifically in that idea of discipling. What are some other ways we should be looking to do that? And anyone listening who might say, hey, I need to be doing a better job of that. I think as individuals, we should all be looking for ways to intervene early when we see an issue. And maybe I mentioned that earlier. When we see a brother or sister stumble, uh, maybe they're bringing up questions theologically that they're struggling with. It could be issues of personal living. Comments are made, maybe even aside that they didn't intend to bear their soul necessarily. But we should be able to pick up on that and then come alongside lovingly and say, let's talk about that. Let's go to the Word of God and see what the Lord says about this issue. And that type of early intervention, I think, is what discipleship is about. It's not just saying, oh, you got saved, now let me teach you stuff. It's how do I take what I understand from the Word of God and help others to see that from the Word of God, not just my opinion, and to guide them. But that's not without its risk, is it? It is not. <laughs> yeah. that, that, can be, that can be chancy, uh, and you have to be willing to, to take that chance and leave that in the Lord's hands. Here we are. I'm speaking to this individual into their life. Uh, I may get hurt by this eventually Mm -hmm. if they decide to turn on me, if that's the kind of person they are. Mm -hmm. Uh, It could be a lifelong great relationship that takes place and starts there. So you don't know, but you Mm -hmm. leave that to the Lord. And I'm guessing the three of us have all been there (laughs) at different times. Can I just say, too, that I think that I really agree with what Gordon says, but I and I also think that it starts with building genuine relationships. I think in a church the size of grace, it's really easy to come in, listen to the sermon, go home, and not necessarily build those meaningful relationships. And when you have those relationships with people that you know you're in contact with and you're 
you're getting to know them and see their hearts and they get to see your heart and know the things you struggle with as well, then it is, um, I don't want to say it's easier because I don't think it's ever easy to come alongside someone and, and confront them with an issue. But if they know you and they trust you as a person who also struggles, then I think they'll take it a little bit better and they'll receive it, hopefully, better. But you are making yourself vulnerable. Anytime that you try to do that, you're making yourself vulnerable. But in order to set that up, you're saying you've got to live together. You've got to get to know each other. And it's certainly a lot easier to do that. Mm -hmm. I think of uh, this morning, uh, one of my sons and I, we were uh, on FaceTime. We were uh, reading the scripture together and talking it through. And uh, he and his wife are getting involved in another church uh, outside of uh, our area here. And uh, they just started going there about six weeks ago. He said two of the elders of that church come up and invite him out. Uh, to him and his wife. So uh, they are both, they've been engaged with them in uh, in just normal settings. Uh, mm-hmm. He invited him to go do something that he really enjoys doing, this elder really enjoys doing. So he invited my son along and they did it together. Uh, mm. Another elder has just bared his soul about mm. uh children who have his children who have not followed Christ and my son and I remarked to him I said you know I said it's amazing to me that he you having been there only about six weeks you know that depth of information about him that's mm-hmm. something that often doesn't come out until another a year or two uh, when he really trusts you mm-hmm. these are the types of, of relationships that we all need to be engaged mm-hmm. in yes that's right right well, as we as we close, is there anything else that you uh, would like to share just about uh, the way God is has uh, been discipling you, even just straight you and God? I think obviously one of them is it's the daily uh, intent to be in God's Word. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's amazing um, how many times you can read through the scriptures and read through the Bible year after year and and every reading there is a spot in scripture that jumps off the page you've never seen that before mm-hmm. <laughs> it seems must not have been there in their old version yeah, I was reading. Lord mm-hmm. you gripped me with that one mm-hmm. and just constantly being exposed to what God has said and having that input into your life, my life, uh, has, has just been enormous. And it's, it needs to be there if I intend to turn around and, and disciple someone else. Mm-hmm. I would say I would agree with that. I, I have struggled my entire life with being consistent in my reading of the Word and spending time with the Lord. And probably about four years ago, my daughter and I were talking and she encouraged me i was talking about a good devotional book and she encouraged me you know mom that's great but you should just start reading the word and it put me on a path of reading through the bible in a year it took me a year and a half but i did it and i've continued to just start over and i'm about to finish my third time through and um i that has just been so amazing for me to have a set routine and a discipline that I have every single day. And I have grown so much in my walk with the Lord because of that. 
And there, <clears throat> there's an instance where the disciple has become the discipler. Right. Yes. Wonderful. And that's why it often works with children. Yep. I've seen that in my own life. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Hey, thanks to both of you for taking time to uh, be here with us. It was a little bit of a quick turnaround, but I really appreciate your willingness to share. Thanks Amen. for having us. Yes, Great. thank you. Well, we've been digging deeper today with Becky Farrell and Gordon Leidick, and you can access Grace sermons and podcast episodes on demand by visiting gracecedarville.org on the World Wide Web and clicking the Media tab. We also encourage you to share your questions and comments with us each week. You can email those to contact at gracecedarville.org. That's contact at gracecedarville.org. Plan to join us next time. We'll continue our discussion of God's words as we move into Revelation chapter 3. Until we meet again, I'm your host, Bart Sheridan, thanking you for tuning into this episode of Digging Deeper in Grace. Digging Deeper in Grace is a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Visit us online at gracecedarville.org and join us next time as we continue our discussion. In the meantime, we invite you to continue digging deeper in grace as you read God's Word.